Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. We are in the season of Pentecost. As you remember from my explanation last week, if you were with us, I was explaining that we have two seasons in the liturgical calendar. The first season is from Advent to Pentecost, and the second season concerns the Sundays after Pentecost. And those Sundays go all the way into the end of November and sometimes the first of December. Then we start all over again with Advent, a new church calendar year. So now we are in the second season, and we are working on scriptures from proper 10. Proper 10. Now, in the Old Testament, we'll be studying the book of Joshua, and I'll say something about that in a couple of minutes. Then we will be continuing Paul's work in Romans, and we'll be looking at Romans 11, 12, and the first part of 13. Romans has 16 chapters. And then we will continue with Jesus in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We are going to be looking at the 25th chapter and the 26th chapter. The 26th chapter starts Jesus' preparation for death, culminating at the end of the 27th chapter, and of course his resurrection, and the last chapter is chapter 28. So Joshua, Romans, and Matthew. Joshua. Now, the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And if you recall, there were many similarities between Numbers and Deuteronomy. And last week, we looked at a few scriptures from Deuteronomy. Previous weeks, we had looked into Numbers. And now we're going to look into Joshua. And we said last week that God did not allow Moses to lead his people into the promised land. So the person that is commissioned was commissioned, was Joshua. And so Moses laid his hand on Joshua. Transference of power went from Moses to Joshua. And we begin the first chapter with Joshua and some very important words from the Lord. Let's start in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now the land is occupied by foreign nations. The land was promised by God, because God is the ultimate owner, to the Israelites. Now it's time for them to possess the land. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. He also made the promise to Moses, besides Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis. Your territory will extend from the desert and from Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates. That's how old the Euphrates River is. All the Hittite country and to the great sea on the west, which is the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. This is to Joshua. These are amazing words. Now, many people quote 6 through 10. I'll read those to you, and then we'll gloss over uh, the readings that we have assigned for this week. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, verse 7. Be careful 
to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Remember, he gave him the law in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5. That was the Ten Commandments. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So this is a great way for Joshua to start his ministry. Now, lots of historical things that happen here. I just want to very quickly gloss over them. Please take your time, as you normally do, from week to week, to look into the book of Joshua and read the text as defined. Now, the idea theologically is that God has granted them this land so that they can become a people, so that the Messiah eventually will come from this people. In order to form a people, you've got to have land. And so he's got to give them this land through the exploits of Joshua. That's what's going to happen. And then over the next several hundred years, they're going to be dealing with invading countries, And it's interesting that their success or failure will be directly related, not to the size of their army or to their leaders in terms of leading those armies and those people in order to defend themselves or to take property, but depending on their relationship with the Lord, as you just heard me read from Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 2, we have Rahab and the spies. Rahab turns out to be a very significant person in the lineage of Jesus. And uh, she is a person that helps the people of Israel, and she's rewarded for doing so. In chapter 3, we are going to cross the Jordan River finally. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, verse 3, of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. they never, never done this before. They've been waiting a long time to do this. But keep a distance of about 1,000 yards between you and the ark. Do not go with it. Do not go near it. Do not go close to it. Joshua told the people in verse 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things for you. So they took up the ark of the covenant and they crossed. Look at verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, the water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, what a miracle. That's a fantastic miracle. The waters of the Jordan River. Another miracle of God. We saw this in Exodus. Remember the 10 plagues on Egypt. And then we saw when they escaped that the Lord opened up the waters for them and then destroyed the the, uh, Egyptians who were following them and they were all killed. So we have a mighty God who's doing mighty things and fantastic things. Okay, so enjoy their crossing of the Jordan. We are going into the new territory. When they crossed the Jordan, the whole nation, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, 12 tribes, 12 sons of Jacob, and tell them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the 12 sons, 
Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down to the place where you stay tonight. So he called the 12 men he appointed, one from each tribe, etc., etc. So as you're reading this, you want to look at all the details that God is pointing out. As they cross the Jordan, he's going to be with them. As they do each and every action, the idea is they're listening to God. God is giving the information to Joshua. Joshua is sharing that information with his people, and the people are very wise to obey the word of the Lord. Chapter 6. Chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one went in. Now we're talking about the fall of Jericho. You've probably heard this before. Here's what the Lord said to Joshua in verse 2, chapter 6. I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. On the seventh day, seven times. With the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Now that's a weird way to take a city and to to take... um, a city. Now, of course, when you're taking a city, remember they are walled in to protect themselves from outside invasion. So we've got the walls have got to come down in order for them to go in. And this is what happens in the miracle of the taking of Jericho. A very famous a situation where they take the Ark of the Covenant and they do exactly what God says, the Lord says, and the and the uh, structure falls down. And God is once again exalted. So what you want to remember, people, is you want God to fight for you. You want to listen to what the Lord is saying. When he tells you what to do, then you go and do it. You will be prosperous and successful when you do that, when I do that. So hearing the Lord and having him fight battles for you, I hope you'll enjoy these first several chapters of the book of Joshua. Now, we go to Romans. Now, remember what I said last week in Romans 9 and 10. We're dealing with the issue that Paul has. It's grieving him greatly. He's very concerned about is what's going to happen to the Jewish people. And I talked last week about chapters 9 and 10. And now we're on chapter 11. Now, 11 is not an easy chapter. Not an easy chapter. As I like to tell you each week, What you want to do is get the gist of the chapter, read it slowly, prayerfully, listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you have a commentary, certainly use it. If you don't have a commentary, but you have a study Bible, look at the notes at the bottom of the study Bible. Those usually are very helpful. They're very succinct oftentimes, but but many times for those of us that are reading it for the first, second, or third time, they give us a pretty good picture of what's going on, particularly if it's hard to understand as this passage is. Let's just start off and let me say a couple of words. In verse 1, I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. He didn't reject them. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the 12 tribes. Verse 2, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in this passage about Elijah? And then he goes on and on and on. He shares with them where they are before the Lord. He shares with them the Old Testament. So in this section, 
in Romans 9, 10, and 11 as compared to 12 to 16. It's very important that you know the Old Testament. And what Paul is going to do, Matthew does this in his gospel, he's going to bring together truths in the old and make them relevant in the new to explain what's going on and what God is doing. And so he quotes Isaiah and he quotes Kings, he quotes Deuteronomy, he quotes the Psalter, and he talks about the relationship in this chapter between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles aren't any better than Jews because he says that they're going to be grafted in. But look at what the Gentiles did. They believed the Lord. They trusted in the Lord. They said yes to the Lord as we said last week in chapter 10. Look at verse 22 of chapter 11. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you will be cut off. And if you do not, if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. God is able to make them graft in. So we are always back to the idea in chapter 10, which we discussed last week, you want to believe. Chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The trust is in the Messiah. The Messiah, Christ, is the key to the whole thing. Okay? He talks about the deliverer coming from Zion. And he says in verse 32, the last verse, For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he might have mercy on them all. So how God is going to deal with Israel is very much discussed in chapter 11. It's not an easy chapter. There's lots of disagreement among the theologians, commentators, Bible scholars about what this all means, how many people from Israel will be saved. My view is that we should continue to pray for the people of Israel. We pray for their salvation in Christ. We share the gospel with them. And we ask God to do a great work in their hearts and use us to do that great work. The doxology ends the chapter 11. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. So he's thanking God for his depth, of his riches, of the, his wisdom in verse 33, his knowledge, unsearchable, his judgments, his path beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? So we pray for mercy. We pray for God's kindness. We pray for God's grace to bless the people of Israel abundantly, and we ask God to do that work in them as we share the gospel with them. As we continue through chapter 12, now when you're reading chapter 12, I don't need much commentary on it because it's very simple language. It's very direct, unlike 9, 10, and 11. It's much more difficult because he's dealing with Israel. Now he comes back to us all. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so then he tells us, beginning in verse 9, he lists for us the way we should live our lives. So what has happened is that uh, Paul has spent the first 11 chapters giving us lots of doctrine. Now he's going to use the last several chapters to talk about to talk about the way that we should live, the way that we should live out that doctrine, how our lives should reflect the doctrine that he has shared with us. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. That's great advice for us all. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Another piece of great advice for us all. Share with God's people who are in need. Verse 13. 
practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Verse 14, wouldn't that be wonderful to bless the people that persecute us? Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Verse 17, no retribution. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not be overcome by evil. Verse 21, overcome evil with good. Wouldn't that be beautiful if all of us could do that? This is the will of God for us. And finally, in chapter 13, chapter 13, 1 through 7, is another very interesting series of verses, very much unlike uh, 9, 10, 11, and then even chapter 12, because he's talking about the governing authorities and how to treat the governing authorities. This is a huge topic. It's a very political topic. How do we treat the governing authorities as Christian people? He starts out in verse 1. It's very challenging. Everyone must, must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. It's a very strong s- statement. And so read through the, those first seven verses, and um, there, again, is a tremendous amount that could be said about that in terms of commentary. What is Paul saying there? It's a very significant passage when you talk about the role of the church and the role of the state. And uh, we talk about that even today. Enjoy that. So there's much to offer there in Romans. In Matthew 25, we have the three series of teachings that Jesus gives us uh, before we begin his journey to death. Now remember last week, I talked about chapter 24 in terms of the signs at the end of the age. And I said that we needed to be ready. We don't know when that time's going to come, certainly. Certainly. Uh, but we are to be ready because the Son of Man is going to come in an hour we don't expect. Therefore, keep watch, keep prepared. We have three very famous readings in chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of talents, and the sheep and the goats. Let's review them very quickly for you. You're going to enjoy these very much. The ten virgins is to the idea of preparation. The, you had three foolish, five foolish uh, in verse 3. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil. The wise took oil in their jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. They became drowsy. They fell asleep. Here comes the bridegroom, but they weren't ready to come in. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, because they had to go buy oil, the other five did not give it to them, but they were prepared. The other five were not. The bridegroom arise, arrives, the virgins who were with them uh, went in. The door was shut. So we have five who were prepared. We didn't know when the bridegroom was going to come. We don't know when Jesus is going to come. We saw that in chapter 24. We have to be ready at all times. Oh, there's five people that aren't ready. The door is shut. Okay, we'll open up the door for us, it says in verse 11. I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. You don't know the day of the hour. Brothers and sisters, I've said this for years. You don't know the day of the hour. Be prepared. You don't know when that time is going to come. Be prepared for the Lord because that's an eternal consequence. Okay? Now, the parable of talents. So a man goes on a journey, he calls his servants, and he trusts his property to them. They do not own the property. They are stewards of the property. The person, of course, is the Lord. 
We are his servants. He entrusts things to us. Every one of you has something entrusted by God. Okay? And he's given you an amount. In this story, we have five talents. We have two talents. And we have one talent. The gist of the story is simple. The people that had the five and the two double their money. The one that has the one was scared to death, hit it, made no interest, and he's cast out in outer darkness, and the first two are rewarded. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And they threw that worthless servant out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is the point? You are a steward of what God has given you and entrusted you with. He is going to call all of us to an accounting. We are going to have to appear before him, the judge of all the earth, according to James, and we are going to give an account of what we did because we're going to stand before him and how we responded to what he gave us. And then he will make a judgment based on that response. So you want to be prepared. You want to take your life seriously. You want to take your time seriously. You want to be prepared to meet your maker, to meet your master, to meet the one that owns the property, however you want to say it, to meet the judge of all the earth. So I pray that you are ready or that if you are not getting ready, you will be sober-minded and get yourself ready for the coming of the Lord. We don't know when that is. Matthew 24, Matthew 25. The sheep and the goats, there's going to be a separation. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him. He's going to separate the people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep are on the right, the goats are on the left. Now, what's this separation going to be about? This separation is going to be about, it's going to be about how we treated each other. And it's a very serious one. How did you treat others? <coughs> so a cough right there, uh, uh, Tony. <coughs> how did you treat other people? How did I treat other people? God is watching how we do that. And there's going to be an accounting of that. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or give you, thirsty or give you something to drink? Verse 37, 38. When did we see you a stranger invite you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. The way we treat each other is very significant when we appear before the one that's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Okay? Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or needing clothes? Verse 44, did not help you. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay. It's important how we treat each other. Okay? All right. The first parable in 25. Be prepared. Be watchful. We don't know when Christ is coming. Second one. We are stewards. He's entrusted us. He's going to have an accounting. Number three. It's important the way we treat each other because the way we treat each other is in essence the way we treat Christ, okay? And so you, do, you want to practice love, kindness, hospitality, care, comfort, empathy, sympathy, prayer, etc. okay? 
enjoy those three readings. Finally, in chapter 26, we are looking at verses 1 through 35. And if you will read that, you'll see the plot against Jesus. You'll see that Jesus anoints at Bethany. You'll see that Judas is going to betray Jesus. We've got to have a situation where somebody turns him in. Then we have, of course, the famous Lord's Supper. This is the blood of my, the covenant, verse 28, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. They sung a hymn. They went to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus predicts, Jesus predicts the denial of Peter, which is very sad. Even if all have fallen away, verse 33, I never will. I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter said, even if I die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Didn't work out for them that way. So in, verse, in chapter 26 and 27, we're looking at the preparation for the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and of course the resurrection is in 28. So these, are, these verses uh, talk about Jesus' uh, movement toward the crucifixion where we have the Lord's Supper, the anointing. Judas uh, is going to hand him over for 30 silver coins, um, and Peter is going to say that he's going to deny him. Well, there's a lot to think about this week from the book of Joshua, and finally the people of Israel are going to go into the promised land. All the way back to Abraham that was discussed. Then secondly, Paul is dealing with the Israelites, the Israelite people, and, and their relationship with the Messiah. In chapter 12, he tells us how to live. Chapter 13, how to deal with the governing authorities, the state. And then finally, in Jesus, we have three beautiful parables, teachings that he gives us in chapter 25, and then we prepare for his death in chapter 26. Enjoy the readings this week. I pray that the Lord will speak to you powerfully and you will uh, receive from the Lord his truth, his eternal truth, as you and I prayerfully study and read the scriptures. God bless you and have a wonderful week. And I'll see you next week for Proper Number 11.